Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hello on a beautiful Monday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. And joined as always by producer G. Hey Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Monday? You know, I... I'm doing amazing, actually. And this is this. I hate Mondays normally, but I, I'm. I think I'm coming onto your train, uh, Arash. I'm. I'm loving Mondays. <laughs> Mondays, yeah, are definitely tough. NBA playoffs are keeping me going because those games yesterday were really exciting. I can't wait for round two and seeing what's in store. Yeah, I mean, it's the one of the best times of the year, G. As you know, it's the not only the NBA playoffs, the National Hockey League. They begin their playoffs as well. So we got hockey playoff games. We got NBA playoff games. It's a perfect time of year. With all that said, let's get to today's headlines. Well, Arash, before we get into today's headlines can't bury the lead your little brother Armand got married <laughs> last night one of the most amazing people other than yourself um, <laughs> you gave the best man speech how did it go Arash it was very good it was uh you know I I, I kind of practiced that uh, speech I was very uh you know I, I don't want to say nervous but when uh, I, I got really emotional during the entire ceremony I, I don't normally get but I was crying when he walked down the aisle and then when they gave their uh, vows you know they both met in grade school and they played in this play in grade school where they played a husband and wife they lost contact with each other uh, because of Facebook they got reconnected and they both kind of expressed you know their love for each other and so yeah I, I got really very emotional and uh, and then when I gave the speech I wasn't as nervous for the speech guys because at that point the drinks were flowing and I said no one's gonna remember what I said but everyone um, they enjoyed the uh, speech and my brother had an amazing time and so it was a beautiful uh, night and it was really good to kind of uh, you know see people back together again my, my uh, brother proposed in Hawaii before the Cowboys Rams preseason game so this is a 2019 the summer of 2019 the pandemic hits and you kind of want to wait till things get back to normal and it was great to see everyone a lot of people you know really for the first time in uh, two years so an amazing amazing night I mean that that had to be incredible I mean like I always cry at weddings I, th- I think just in general uh, you gotta kind of cry at weddings, and especially your your brother, who is. <laughs> I, I don't want to say this because, like, y- you are the most positive person on the planet, but he <laughs> is the next most positive person on the planet. Um, so excited, so ecstatic for, uh, yeah, for that wedding, for that time. I mean, it had to be incredible. I'm like, yeah. I wish, I, I wish I was there. Like, your your family in general is just just so amazing so wonderful uh, a credit to your mother too because mother's day is coming up yeah as well your uh y- your mom raised two amazing amazing sons so uh i appreciate I, that and yeah. you know the cool thing about it uh G, is you bring up a great point that i that i brought up during the speech was that <clears throat> how positive my brother is and i appreciate your kind words about me but like you know his his group of friends i mean they would they would uh, they would run through a, a wall for him, and it was just so great to see him with his friends. And you know, 
there's a big uh, gap between us in terms of, you know, there's like 11 years apart. So when you have a younger brother like that, uh, and again, I, I kind of brought it up last night. You know, my mom told me when I was 11, you're going to have a younger brother. And I'm like, oh, really? Like at that point in time, you're thinking you're going to be the only child so and then you just want them to grow up and and do well and so for him to marry the love of his life and for him to have these amazing group of friends and have a beautiful wedding it was a perfect uh, night and so um i appreciate that thank you yeah no what how incredible by the way too <laughs> that he got to marry his high school sweetheart because yeah. that, things like that do not happen that often so that's incredible really? amazing I, I i love your brother too by the way he's thank you one of the best people on the planet that i've ever met so um and i'm not just saying that i know like we always talk <laughs> about like you know so positive you know, like this is not fake i swear people like our arash's brother is hands down one of the best people in the world I wish everybody got to meet your brother. Um, you. Well, speaking of meeting people, Clay Thompson met a go-ahead three-pointer with 36 seconds left, and the Golden State Warriors overcame Draymond Green's first-half ejection to edge the Memphis Grizzlies 117-116. to What a great game on Sunday in Game 1 of the Western Conference Semifinals. It's just one game, but... Guys, how big of a blow is this to Memphis's hopes of beating Golden State? Like looking, especially looking at John Morant's reaction at the very, very end of the game when he could have yeah, won it. I think this was a must-win. I know it's Game One of a seven-game series, but listen, when you you are the Memphis Grizzlies and you've not been in this position before, you've not won multiple championships, you've not played second-round playoff games. This was a game that you needed, as you mentioned. You hey, Draymond Green gets ejected in the first round. Memphis has the lead. So for them to blow this game, blow that uh, opportunity, I think this was a must-win game for them. And I'm not saying the series is done, but I like the Warriors coming into the series, and I love them right now. I really think in that second half, this was a must-win game for the Memphis Grizzlies. When I when I look at that game, you look at the game that Jaron Jackson Jr. had. Can he match that game at any point this series i don't think so john morant had a really down first round he had a great game one can he match that game i don't know the warriors it seems like after that draymond green ejection they're they look pissed off they look pissed at the grizzlies they look pissed at the nba and i expect them to take that anger out in game two i really think i i agree with you completely arash i think this was a must-win game it's really hard to bounce back from a loss like that especially when you haven't been there and done that before so i really think memphis definitely needed that game one i think that memphis needed that game one but like you guys got to give it to golden state they are who we thought they were they are phenomenal they are a comeback from whatever kind of a team they didn't take any guff they didn't you know they they did what they had to do in order to win that game because i was looking back at the replay and john moran could have made that he could have made that layup to win that game that like that ho hopefully that sticks in his craw and like you know the next uh game two he comes back guns blazing because he sh they should have won they they 100 should have won uh john Morant should have made that layup uh, easily because he had done that before um it was just it, it, good defense and good on golden state um this is i guess also where you kind of have to chalk it up to it's golden state 
they're, they're just a phenomenal team and uh, they're just always going to come back um, in the end. Well, Giannis Antetokounmpo recorded his second career postseason triple-double to lead the Milwaukee Bucks to a 101-89 victory over the Boston Celtics in Game 1 of their second-round series on Sunday. Antetokounmpo had 24, not 42, 24 points, guys, 13 boards, (laughs) and 12 assists as the defending NBA um, champions swiped home-court advantage in the best-of-seven series. I know you guys were high on Boston to come out of the East. I definitely was does this change your thinking at all not really I still like the Celtics in this series but <clears throat> I, I think there's one thing that I didn't take into account or factor in enough and this is the uh, immortal words of uh, Houston Rockets former head coach Rudy Tom Jonovich never underestimate the heart of a champion and I really think the Bucks are saying hey listen a lot of talk right now about the Suns, about the Warriors, about the Heat, about the Celtics. You go down the list. We're the defending champions. We have the Larry O'Brien trophy. At the end of the day, it's our trophy until someone takes it from us. And so as high as we all are, I think we all kind of like the Celtics to at least make it to the finals. Um, and I still do. Listen, I think what we saw last night is Giannis saying, I'm still the best player in the league, or at least the best player playing right now. We're still the, the defending champions, and you're going to have to take this from us. So I think this, this is going to be a classic. This is going to be a fantastic seven-game series. Um, again, I like the Celtics, but would not be shocked if Milwaukee wins. This is really, and we touched on it before this series began, the winner of this series will be playing in the NBA Finals. So whether it's Milwaukee, whether it's Boston, but I don't re- I'm not going to change my pick just because of one game. I am very concerned, and I was with both, <laughs> both of you guys on the Celtics coming out of the East and probably winning the whole thing, but the way that they lost that game, it seemed more psychological, like a hurdle that the team just seems like it, for some reason, cannot get over. The one player that needs to step up is Jalen Brown. 12 points on 4 of 13 shooting. He needs to play like a star if the Celtics want to win this series. And the reason why I'm a little bit skeptical is because people keep talking about this injured hamstring. And as we have seen with other hamstring injuries, that's that's one that can linger for the entirety of the postseason. I think that Jalen will get out of his, to your point, um, Armand, I think that he'll get out of his funk. But you cannot turn the ball over as many times as they did in the first half. The, the Celtics beat the Celtics. The Celtics, like, th- that is their issue. That is their problem. They they are their own worst enemy. Those turnovers were ridiculous. They they have to figure it out. Um, they have to get out of their head. I think you're right. It is very psychological when it comes to um, to Boston. Um, and to lose at home in the Garden like that, I, I just, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm so high on Boston. If they can, and I, I think I said this before, if they can play the defense that they played in the first round, they can win the whole entire thing. They just got to play that kind of D. They got to play that kind of old school Boston, some people call it grimy, defense, but they got to get those stops and they got to stop turning the ball over. Those turnovers killed them um, that game. Uh, And I'm not taking anything away from Giannis, but those turnovers 100% killed them. Well, there's optimism at least in Philadelphia. In the Philadelphia 76ers star Joel Embiid, he could return as soon as game at three or four of the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Miami Heat. 
Embiid will not travel for games one and two tonight and Wednesday because of an orbital fracture and concussion. But a reevaluation on Wednesday could clear the way for his return when the series shifts to Philly. On a related note, guys, um, the Heat guard Kyle Lowry will not play in game one tonight as he continues to recover from a left hamstring injury. With both teams dealing with injuries, who do you like? Oh, this is a tough one. I, I do like the Heat. Uh, Kyle Lowry's been out since uh, game three, I believe, of the first round. So they've dealt with this. Uh, Joel Embiid, listen, if, if the Sixers are to win, Joel not only has to be playing, he has to be playing at a high level. At the very least, he's going to miss games one and two. I don't think he'll be back for game three. I think depending on where the series is at that point, he will try to get back on the court for game four. Uh, this is a tough one for the uh, Sixers. No, no doubt about it. Uh, the Heat were another team we've we've been high on. Um, I think this was going to be a fantastic series if both teams were healthy. Without Joel Embiid, the MVP of the Sixers, I don't see a way that they win games one and two. So at that point, they're going to be down 2-0 in the series. I don't think Joel's going to be ready to go for game three. As uh, Woj is reporting, I, I think he will probably probably be back for game four. But at that point... If they're down 3-0 in the series, it's just going to be tough sledding for the uh, for the Sixers. So, listen, it's been a good season for Doc and the Sixers, but I do believe the road comes to an end in South Beach. I think they definitely need him for Game 3, because assuming they go down 2-0, if he doesn't play in that game, yeah, like you said, Arash, it's over. I want to read really quickly the Heat's injury report, though, because they have a ton. Kyle Lowry, as you mentioned, Jimmy Butler with a knee injury, Tyler Hero with a respiratory injury, PJ Tucker with a calf injury, and Max Struess with a hamstring injury. That's like their whole rotation right there. And a lot of that could be gamesmanship, dealing with the injury report. But I mean, they are the way more injured team, it sounds like, than Philadelphia. Depending on what, what part of that is gamesmanship, I'm going to still go with the Sixers in seven games. I think Embiid... Wow does come back in time even if they go down to nothing kyle lowry losing your point guard is massive and i think that that's going to be a huge factor in this series yeah i mean with all of those injuries i still want to pick miami because they they don't have a star in um in joel Embiid, and i think that they rely heavily on uh joel um in order to win and in order to uh to make it past this round uh yeah, that's a lot of hurt. that's a lot of injuries. <laughs> I'm not I'm not gonna lie on that. And like, yeah. but but playing through but playing through certain injuries and stuff like that. That's what playoffs is all about, right? So I feel like Miami. If anybody can do it, Miami can probably do that. Well, moving forward, Pittsburgh, their All American wide receiver Jordan Addison, Arizona State All American linebacker Eric Gentry, and Ohio State All American safety Brian Shaw will all reportedly enter the transfer portal, portal guys. Gotta love that transfer portal. Um, and they're going to go to USC <laughs> in moves that could be tied to large NIL deals. Do you think, um, do you like 
this new wild wild west of college sports where all American athletes can transfer schools and make millions at the drop of a hat. Listen, I, I like it as a USC grad, a USC fan. I mean, literally within months, USC went from a below 500 team that uh, did not qualify for a bowl game to being legitimate national championship contenders with a contender to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, this is incredible. And I don't know what college sports can do about it at this point. I think the toothpaste is out of the uh, tube now and you can't put it back in uh these guys are making millions of dollars when you talk about a school like a usc for example um you know the amount of billionaires that are associated with that school in terms of alumni who are a part of fortune 500 companies that could effectively sign these kids to endorsement deals which is effectively a salary um you know it's it, this is for a lot of people, uh, GK, you can touch on how your, your mom feels about this. The, the ship has sailed. The ship has sailed, and this is the new time for college sports. Um, whether you like it or not, this is great for a school like a USC, perhaps also a UCLA basketball program. You're going to be able to sign these kids to uh, you know million-dollar deals now. And so... Again, listen, it's just the way of the world right now. You don't have to do it below board. You don't have to do like under the table deals. This is all, uh, you know, uh, reported um, information. And not only that, these kids are signing with clutch sports and CAA sports and other places. So um happy for it as a USC grad and USC fan. But this is just wild to hear about this. I have five words for you guys. I love the transfer portal. This is going to bring back college football. It's going to bring back college basketball. It's going to bring back even maybe Major League Baseball to certain programs that have kind of been dead, um, that haven't won any titles. Uh, it's going to bring back alumni money. Like you're, you're getting it tenfold, in my personal opinion. My mom, on the other hand, would beg to differ. She w wishes that, you know, no kid got any money or anything like that um listen to sports bar my uh episode with my mother um speaking of my mom she loves the fact that there's no um that college basketball is college basketball and that these kids only get a scholarship um and that they don't get any money in the um that the education is the payment i do not believe that i think by all means, these kids should get be getting paid. Good for them for getting an NIL. Good for them for going to the transfer portal and going to a school that they're actually going to get playing time. As a, a college athlete, a former college athlete, I wish I had this when I was growing up. I am all for this. I am all about this. Get your money. Get paid. Get Go where you need to go and go where you can actually get some playing time. I love it keep doing what you guys are doing i really really hope it kind of stays this way to be honest with you it just it's very entrepreneurship at its finest well the nfl draft draft wrapped up over the weekend which team was the big winner and how did las vegas do as a host city guys listen i'm not just saying this because um you know you're here ga but i really think that the giants uh you know changed the fortunes of that franchise again they have a new coach new new gm and all that great stuff but i really think that they did a fantastic job with that draft really putting themselves in a position to be contending for the east uh, next year, and e even if it's not next year, I mean, they, they really uh, put together the foundation for a future um, contending team. 
In terms of Vegas, did a fantastic job, and I really do love that the draft has become a tentpole event for the league. It's not just in a ballroom in New York or something. I mean, it is a massive event. I mean, the amount of people that come out and the fans to uh, support it is incredible. It's a free event, so it's one of those really fun events where you could just go there for the weekend and enjoy yourself. Next year's draft will be in Kansas City, so excited to see what they do but ga your new york football giants were the big winners on draft weekend well i'm happy that you said that um i think that they were big winners as well i don't think they were the big winners i think the jets came away with a crap ton of great picks great decisions um you know solly came away with a lot of great defensive players which doesn't really shock me um i'm gonna be looking forward to what the patriots did because what they, I, I know that sounds really random but like they picked like a bunch of guys that were like just off the charts like uh, weird picks so looking forward to that and but looking forward to the season for the first time i can finally say that in a very long time looking forward to the football season love it all right let's uh, leave it there for now when we come back we will hear from chargers head coach brandon staley on the uh, draft that the uh, chargers had in this weekend's uh, draft when we come back right here on the mightier 1090 espn radio in southern california and 98.5 the fan in las vegas we'll be right back with the arash markazi show on the mightier 1090 espn radio This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Just a, a reminder, if you want to win uh, tickets to a future Galaxy or Kings game, by the way, the uh, Kings begin their postseason run Tonight, so if you want to win tickets to a Kings game, call our hotline 310-400-0340. You know, the team that's really not talked about enough in Southern California, in Los Angeles, it are the uh, Chargers. Again, the Rams made a ton of big moves this offseason. They are the defending Super Bowl champions. The Chargers are sort of the dark horse pick, and I think that they had a really good draft. Protection, I mean, when you talk about who... You need you need protection for your franchise quarterback, Justin Herbert. And so I, I, I really like the job that the Chargers did, not only in the draft, but just overall in putting together a championship team for next season. And I think when the other team in town, when the team that you share SoFi Stadium with just won a Super Bowl, and not only did they just win a Super Bowl, you know, going all in to repeat, the Chargers realize that's what they have to do. You cannot just stand pat and, and be content to be a contending team or be a good team. You have to go all in. So you have to make the moves that they made in terms of going out and getting Khalil Mack and, and, and making the additions that you have to make to be a championship content, contender. Uh, so with that uh, said, let's uh, now hear from Los Angeles Chargers head coach Brandon Staley on the uh, on the draft that the uh, Chargers had. And, I, and again, I think they had a, a fantastic first round, second round, and uh, wrapped it up 
this past weekend. So let's now hear from Chargers head coach Brandon Staley. Excited. All right. I'm just uh, go through all the picks today. Yeah. Your thoughts on them, starting with Isaiah. Yeah, you know, we did a lot of work on, on the backs in this class, and um, we really felt like Isaiah's a really good fit for what we were looking for in a back in this draft. Uh, he's a very complete runner. I think playing in Jimbo Fisher's offense, that offense really requires a, a lot of you. It's a very easy uh, transition, I think, to the pro game because uh, it's very much a pro-style offense. Um, he's got really good size for the position. You know, he's a six-footer, you know, almost 220. Uh, he started since his freshman year in the number one league, um, you know, in the country. And, uh, you know, he's a three-time All-SEC player. And uh, I think he can really see. I think he can really see the, the game. Um, I think he's got really good instincts. Um, you know, you can take a look at the data of making people miss, you know, forced missed tackles, which we take a real close look at. And uh, just felt like he was a really productive player coming from an elite program. You know, and you're really seeing him have to – you know, navigate some NFL-type runs, you know, against NFL-type fronts, you know, being in the SEC West. So uh, we're really excited to add him to the group. Uh, I think it's going to create great competition in that room. And um, so I was really, you know, excited to be able to pick him. What about his pass catching? Yeah, you know, again, uh, in Jimbo's offense, you know, uh, not only the protection side of it, but he's, you know, an excellent pass protector, I think, mentally. Uh, was responsible for a lot there. He was a three-down back. I think that's what Jimbo would tell you. Uh, he never left the field. And then from a pass-catching standpoint, um, there was a lot of production in the passing game. Uh, and then I think in, from the workouts, you got to see him run a lot of different type routes that you would see him run in the NFL and very smooth, natural pass catcher, soft hands. Uh, and so, again, I think this is a complete back, and uh, we're excited to add him to this group and, and allow him to compete. Uh, Tito was a really exciting evaluation, um, you know, just from a pure, you know, size standpoint, that's really what we're looking for. Um, you know, he's 6'4", 325, you know, 10, you know, hand, uh, 34 and a half inch arms, and he's a real power player at the point of attack. We did a lot of work on this guy. Um, he had an outstanding senior bowl. I think if you take a look at his senior bowl, there were a lot of really competitive reps versus Zion and Cole Strange and a bunch of good players um, at that all-star game. Uh, and I thought he had an outstanding all-star game. Um, but then I think just from his game tape, you know, I think for a big man, you can really see this guy run and chase the football. If you go take a look at the LSU game, the Oregon game, you know, stuff that's on the perimeter for a guy his size, you know, what stood out to us is a guy that can really chase the football too. Um, but then, you know, at the pro day, Jay Rogers and Johnny Timo, uh, you know, worked him out and put him through, you know, our type of workout. And, uh, you know, he really aced that, that part of the process. And I think that that was a really big factor in us really kind of solidifying our feeling for him is just seeing him live. Uh, and then he came to our local pro day and we were able to spend some time with him. So uh, just excited about, you know, where he can go with his game because he's at the beginning. But he's what we're looking for inside. Uh, and I think that, um, you know, we're excited to get him in that room with Sebastian and Austin, two guys that have really, you know, established themselves in this, uh, in this league and, and a guy that he can really learn from, Christian Covington, you know, pros, pros, get him in there with Jerry and create some competition, you know. And so uh, I think that was a really, really good pick for us. Just overall, how much more comfortable are you with the interior of your defensive line now, just, just from a size, length perspective and then what they're being asked <clears throat> to do in, in terms of fitting the run? 
Yeah, I just I think that we're you know we look a lot closer to what I expect to look like, and uh, we're not there yet, but we're a lot closer. And I think the additions in free agency were were really big because those two guys are are outstanding interior you know NFL players with real experience. Um, you know, and then you add in the fact that Christian and, and Jerry have both played in our defense, and then you've got a bunch of young guys, you know, Braden Fajoko, you know, Graziano come back that played Andrew Brown. You know, those guys all played for us last year, and they've come back a lot bigger, stronger. They know that how, how we expect to play now. Uh, and I think just Tito, um, you know, he, from a stylistic standpoint, he probably wasn't a fit for everybody in the draft, but he was a really good fit for us. And I think we did a lot of quality research on him. Uh, and I think he's going to, you know, fit right in. And, you know, it's a, it's always a difficult transition inside in, in the NFL, no matter what side of the ball you're on. Um, but we're excited to get him in here and see what he can do. Um, Jamari, in the six, is he, Tom said, interior player, is that sort of? Yeah, just super, super excited about this guy. Uh, we, we held this guy in really hard, high regard um, at the University of Georgia, you know, a, a national champion. Uh, but beyond that, you know, where he played for them, he started for two years um, at tackle and inside. You know, you're able to see him against the best in the country. You know, and I think uh, the way he played against Michigan, against those two rushers that were both, you know, first-round caliber rushers, certainly Hutchinson, the second pick in the draft, and Ojabo, he would have been a top, you know, probably 20 pick or something like that. You were able to see him operate. And then just in that league alone, just I think it was a really pure evaluation. He's got size. He's got real toughness, heavy hands. He's really smart. I've got a great relationship with Kirby Smart and that group of coaches. So much respect for them. And that's what we're looking for. We're looking to join up with guys that have been champions, that have been in really, really tough and Environments and then, you know, every single day in practice, he's blocking like you know ten first rounders his whole career, and so every day in practice, um, you know, you're able to get a full you know measure of, of where you stand. So I think it was an outstanding pick for us, great value, and he just adds to the depth of our front. And uh, I'm really excited about where our O line looks like right now. Any chance you would see what he looks like at right tackle, or you, you think? Probably not to start out with, um, but just the fact that he has played there, I think, is a winning edge. He also snapped at the Senior Bowl, and I think that's kind of a characteristic of a lot of the guys that we've taken is we've been able to see that flex. Um, so you know how it goes in the season. You normally keep eight on game day, and, and you need that flexibility. So, um, you know, we've seen him block a lot of good players in a lot of different positions, and uh, that's, uh, that, that was a big part of the evaluation for us. We're excited about him. And then... Uh couple of DBs there? Yeah. Jasir Taylor and Dean Leonard? Yeah, Jasir Taylor was a guy that um, I think from you know a defensive perspective, a kicking game perspective, we just felt like we really knew the guy. Uh, I think James McPherson, our area scout, who's a former Demon Deacon quarterback, uh, we were able to get some inside knowledge on him. He was here on a 30 visit. Uh, he also had a private workout. So, um, you know, just felt like we knew a lot about him. He's a two-time captain there. He also was a kickoff returner, you know, had a kickoff return for a touchdown this year versus Old Dominion. Uh, and so I just think that you're, you're getting a DB with good dimensions. He's 5'11", 190, 4'4", 37-inch vertical, ball skills. Uh, he's played inside and outside for Wake. So just feel like he's a, he's a DB, a guy that we like to join up with. So uh, we'll see where it goes. But Ryan Ficken and Chris Gould um, also did a lot of work on him just from a you know, special team standpoint, returner, and then in the core, core unit. So I think he'll give us some good depth there. And then we were able to get Dean Leonard from Ole Miss um, at the end there. And he's a guy, you know, we did a lot of work on the end of this draft because we had so many picks in the last two rounds. We did a ton of work. Um, and I think that, you know, in the secondary, there are guys that you can find there late if, if you do the work. And so, we, you know, Ronaldo Hill, um, you know, Derek.
Derek Ansley, Tommy Donatel, our scouts. I mean, you know, we just did a ton of work on, on the back end of the draft. And so uh, Dean had a lot of good things to, to join up with. He started out in Canada, you know, in Calgary and, and, and played really, really well there, transferred to Ole Miss. And, you know, you, you're getting to see him against the best in the country, you know, each and every week. Um, he's six foot 190, you know, ran a really low 4'4" smooth in transition, did play some inside, um, really good in run support. So just felt like he's got, you know, some, some, you know, probably similar to Mark Webb last year, just has a lot of traits that we feel like translate to the National Football League, and, um, and we'll see where it goes. And then the running back or fullback? Yeah, and then Xander Horvath, we were able to get him at the end, uh, and he's just a, he's a really intriguing prospect. He's a guy that, um, you know, has got a lot of versatility, you know, running the football, catching the football, blocking, special teams. He's got a pro body, and, uh, and we're just going to figure it out. But, you know, I think, uh, you know, starting him out at fullback uh, and, and giving us, you know, a, a real look in a, a two-back role, but then, you know, as a core special teams guy, you know, just in that mold. And, um, but, you know, this guy did a lot for Purdue. You were able to see him uh, in a lot of different, you know, roles for those guys. Jeff Brom does a great job coaching on offense, but you were also able to see this guy in the kicking game. Uh, and he worked out really well. So I'm um, just excited to see where it goes with him, but um, really quality player. You guys um, didn't draft him. Oh, sorry. Okay, go ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, just with free agency kind of winding down and then the draft obviously on are there any position groups that you still would like to see? Yeah, we've got some guys working right now in the undrafted free agent, you know, role with rook, you know the rookie class, um, and I think what we're trying to do is just at the, at the positions that you feel like um, can help your team out. You know, just trying to onboard some guys that you feel like can compete and possibly earn a roster spot. I think we're, you know, selective, kind of going through that right now. But I think um, there've been, like I said, we did so much work on the back half of the draft. Uh, I think we're going to probably be able to join up with some some good players last year. You know, we had several undrafted guys end up making it for us and being a part of our team, whether it was the active roster or, you know, practice squad. So uh, I th I'm excited to see how this shakes out. It's still going on right now. And then, you know, then after the draft, then there's still uh, a veteran market right now, you know, and I think what happened is a lot of the veteran guys were kind of staying patient, wait until after the draft to see how these rosters take shape. So now there'll be another wave here, you know, in the springtime of veteran free agency. And um, so we'll see where that goes to. You guys didn't come away with an edge rusher. Like, how are you guys feeling about the depth? Obviously, we know Khalil and Joey, we know about Chris, but just the depth there, how, how are you guys feeling about it? Yeah, I think I think you just uh, you know we went into the draft, and if that was a, a part of the equation, then we would have we, we would have selected a rusher. It just didn't quite work out that way. So um, to kind of fill out the depth of that position, then we're going to have to look elsewhere. You know, the second phase, whether it's you know the undrafted free agency right now, or you know veteran free agency, um, or you know before the first game, sometime during training camp. You know, some that'll probably happen. Uh, you know, at, at one of those three junctures. Brian, about outside talk about you know, finding speed with the wide receivers. Yeah, we really like our receiving core. Um, I, I know I, I, I sure do. Um, I think that we've got one of the top receiving cores in the NFL. Um, and, and so I think that, uh, you know, going into the draft, you know, we stacked that position heavily. You know, we, we definitely did, you know, all the work on it, but we were definitely going to take a best player approach in this draft, and it just didn't work out that way. And, and I think that, you know, the flexibility that we have with the group that we have, um, when you have guys like Keenan and Mike leading the way, uh, two of the premium receivers, you know, in the league, and then, 
you know, last year I think we saw how special Josh Palmer can be, you know, and, and Jalen Guyton's been a quality player here for two years now, and he's getting better um, coming back. And then we were able to onboard DeAndre Carter, who's played receiver in this league on top of being a returner. I mean, he's actually played receiver, um, you know, at a high level. So, you know, we'll see where that goes at that position here in undrafted free agency and then um, see if we join up with someone, you know, later on. But, you know, I really think that we've, uh, you know, certainly in our, our skill position players, receivers, tight ends, backs, I think we have a pretty complete unit right now. Did you hear from, did you hear from any of your current players just about the overall draft class? Yeah, you know, I got Derwin James. Um, you know, he played for Jimbo Fisher at Florida State. So um, he signed off on Isaiah Spiller, you know, in a big way. And, you know, Derwin had to go play against that offense every single day. So he was saying, you know, that if you can uh, – play all three downs for Jimbo, they, 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 you're a legit guy. So, you know, we, I got something from, uh, you know, Derwin that way. And then, you know, the Georgia guys, I, I, I was talking to Kirby Smart. You know, I spoke at Georgia's clinic in the springtime, and then um, I think that relationship has gone a long way in, re, you know, us really uh, picking, you know, Jamari uh, in this draft. I uh, felt like I knew a lot about him, you know, just going to talk with Kirby and then going through this draft process. Um, you know, and I think, uh, you know, we got a lot of Georgia guys on our team, and, and that's a good sign because they're the best team in the country right now. So the fact that you can get, you know, Trey and uh, Mark in last year's class, we get Jamari in this year's class, I, you know, I like that because, you know, that league is the best league in the country. There's a reason why more people are drafted in that league than any other. And, um, you know, these guys have been through the fire. So, you know, I was able to talk to the Georgia guys, Mark and Trey, about Jamari too. You talked a lot about you have a complete roster and a complete team. How close now do you feel like you are to, uh, to, to having a roster that you feel more comfortable with? Well, I think from the last game uh, that we played to now, we're certainly a, a much different looking football team. Uh, we haven't gone out there on the field yet, but, you know, it's, it's getting there for sure. I think uh, Tom Telesco and uh, JoJo Wooden, uh, Kevin Kelly, our scouts deserve so much credit for all the work that we've done this offseason from the draft process. And, you know, and then Dean and John Spanos leading the way, um, you know, starting with, you know, the trades all the way to free agency to now. Um, it's been a team effort. And, and I think, to, you know, today was a culmination of all that hard work. And then, you know, um, it never ends in the NFL. You know, today was an ending. Tomorrow's a beginning. And there's going to be more work to do onboarding players. And uh, there's a lot of time between now and our first game. There's a long time. Uh, between now and when, when we play. So uh, we're always going to be trying to find that winning edge. Uh, but I, I really like the team that we have in front of us right now. And, you know, tomorrow or uh, Monday, you know, we'll be in meetings. And, you know, it's going to be exciting to, to see that group in person. Just in terms of where you guys are at a corner, you know, obviously you added JC and free agency, you know, premium player there. But, like, just last year when you dealt with some of those injuries and you had to put depth pieces on the field in the second half of the year, Maybe that group got exposed a little bit. How do you feel about the depth there right now? Well, I'm glad that we were able to draft a couple guys, um, you know, because I feel like those guys, you know, really give us quality depth. And I think the way we look at corner, you know, we're bringing back Asante, TC, Vato, and then you onboard JC. You got a good group coming back. We have Kimon Hall coming back, who, you know, we have a really high opinion of. And then, you know, you get these two guys in the draft, and then, you know, you got to remember, the, you know, with the way our safety group is, a lot of those guys have slot characteristics. 
So you're picking up almost like extra corners with, you know, a Mark Webb, with a Derwin James, with a Nas Adderley, you know, with a JT Woods. You're picking up slot, you know, flexibility. So, again, I, I feel really good about where we're D, our DB group is at. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see those guys compete, uh, kind of build off the, that group that we had last year. I know that they're going to play a lot better. Um, and, you know, really last year it kind of, you know, we ended up playing a ton of corners because everybody was going down with injuries. But, you know, when our main guys were out there, we were, we were tough to play against, you know. And so um, we're excited to, to see that group come back. And, and I liked what we did in the draft. So we'll see how it goes. It seems like your type for a DB is a ball hogs, you know, speed. Is that what you, you got from the three guys? Yeah, I mean, you know, in the secondary, you're really looking for guys who can play man-to-man. You know, it's different whether you're playing corner or safety, but guys who can play man-to-man, um, you guys who can play the ball in the deep part of the field, and guys who are, out, you know, open field tacklers. And then we're looking for that position flexibility if you can get it, um, and uh, because that makes you, a, you know, a much more diverse secondary group. But um, I think that, you know, the theme with all these guys that we've drafted in the last two years and that we've acquired in a you know, free agency is they can get the ball. You know, because that's where it is in the NFL. You got to be able to take the ball away, and the more guys that you, you know, you can onboard that have ball skills, um, you know, you increase your odds. So we're excited to, to to work with this group, and you know, hopefully we'll add a couple guys in undrafted free agency that can help us too. All right, thanks, coach. All right, guys. Take care. All right, that was uh, Chargers head coach Brandon Staley wrapping up uh, the uh, Chargers draft week. And by the way, the Chargers had an amazing event. Again, they they had a first round pick, unlike the Rams. So the Rams really couldn't really do anything for the fans around the first round. The uh, the Chargers war room was in their home locker room at SoFi Stadium. They had a party. They had a fan fest. At SoFi Stadium, uh, Snoop Dogg performed, and uh, you know the fans got to go out there, get some food and drinks. You know, uh, watch their team pick in the first round. So, you know, I I love the Rams' standpoint in terms of you know trading first round picks and getting proven commodities. But you know, the good thing about keeping that first round pick is the ability to have these kind of events with the fans because the fans just listen they will want to see who you're going to take with that uh, first pick but i think overall the uh, chargers did an amazing uh they had an amazing draft and they also did an amazing job this um half season to uh, put together a championship contending team and i joked that i joked about this a year ago that you know i'm i'm picking the rams and the chargers to meet in the super bowl at sofi stadium obviously hey listen the, the rams did it they they won the super bowl this is another year where just i'm not it's not a homer pick if you just look at in vegas wouldn't be shocked this year by the way guys if it's the rams and the chargers meeting in the super bowl which will be in glendale arizona all right Well, that's all the time we have for today. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe, stay healthy. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Hustle for the cash, so it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing, currency chasing. Worldwide through the hard times, worrying faces. Shed tears as we bury brothers close to heart. What was a friend? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.